You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. in Acts 2 today. We're going to start right at the top of the chapter in, in verse 1. So if you've got a Bible, flip open to Acts 2. I'll get there in just a minute. As I was preparing for this uh, message, I, I love uh, to preach through the book of Acts. It is one of, uh, are you allowed to have favorite books of the Bible, I guess? But the whole book is great. But there's something about this book that has always stood out to me. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to, to walk through, teach through it a few different times. And it's just fun to do because we get to see the church come to alive and, and for God to begin to use people. Just like Jesus promised his disciples, you're gonna do greater things than you've seen me do. And we get to see that come out in this book. And it's just really awesome. And let me preface this whole sermon to think, I really believe that what we see happen in the book of Acts is, is exactly what God wants to continue to do through us as believers and followers of him in our modern age. I don't think this is a book just of history. It's a book of what God wants to do now in and through your lives as we follow after him, as we live out being the church together. And it's a beautiful thing. And so this, this thought came to me, and so I'm going to pause on this and, and think about a gift, because one of the things that we see in this chapter, in the start of chapter two, is this gift that is given. And uh, if you have any connection to children, any connection at all, whether you're aunt, uncle, friend, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, you name it, you've seen kids probably open gifts. Sometimes kids get bigger gifts uh, for a birthday, for Christmas. Maybe it's a bicycle. Uh, maybe it's, it's one of those really large castles um, that the, the parents always have to put together. I still have no idea why parents, why aunts, uncles, anyone give those as gifts, let alone anything that takes a battery and makes noise. Amen? Because I've moved a couple times throughout my life with our children and there's always that box that ends up in the back of the car that the battery hits and you hit a bump and then it's talking to you for the next five hours of your trip. So um, if you're about to buy a gift for one of your friends who has a baby, just leave out the batteries. The gift is good enough. But here's the thing, that kids get to this place and if the box is big enough, they get caught up in the box. Have you ever seen that? More so than the gift. They look at the box and as a child's imagination just starts running, they see a car or they see a plane or they see their very own house or their very own cave um, or a space station or whatever it is that they, oops, that they come up with. And it's awesome to think, man, you are being so creative. I love the creativity, but child, I did not give you a box. (laughs) I gave you the gift that's inside of it. And sometimes these kids get so caught up in the box that they miss the gift. And sometimes I think at, in, at Christmas especially, we've seen this, aunts, uncles, grandma, and grandpas, they give so many gifts to, your, my, to my kids that all of a sudden the gifts become overwhelming and so they go to the most simplistic thing possible, which is often the box. And they get creative just with the box because it makes sense. It's just square pieces, it's cardboard. It doesn't have all these parts and doesn't make all these noises. And so I can just be comfortable with the box. Now for us as mature believers, I wonder if we're in some of that same situation with what we're gonna talk about through Acts chapter two today. Sometimes we get so comfortable just with the box. We get content with just the box. And let's call the box the church just for the illustration. 
We get comfortable just showing up and being at church on a Sunday. It becomes our tradition thing to do week to week to week to week. We love coming to Easter and we love coming to Christmas and and it's awesome because those are just special family moments and we get so comfortable with the box. But I wonder as the church in our modern age, we're coming to church is so simple, so easy. Even now after this last year that we can stay at home and this is not picking on you at home because we're so glad to be able to come to your home, but we get comfortable comfortable just being at home because that's just church. We get comfortable and content with the box. But I love where Luke is going to lead us through the storyline of Acts today, but as he draws out the gift that is given, that helps shape an understanding of what the church is and launches it forward to become this great movement that has lasted for thousands of years now. It is the movement that starts today in this chapter, which is why you and I gather on this lawn and at our homes to worship the almighty God. But there's more. There's more than just that. There's more than just the church building or the church program or the church service. There's something that the spirit wants to do through us And I just don't want any one of us to miss that. I really believe that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to move in you and through you to do greater things you could ever ask or imagine. But church, maybe today we've got to get, just look above and beyond alongside of however you want to see it, just the box. There's so much more that the Spirit wants to do in and through us. Amen? So flip open your Bibles, Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read down all the way through verse 13. And then I'll come back around and, just, and, and touch on the things that, that the Lord just has brought out to me that I think are so important for us to know and to see and to hear from this passage uh, that's happening. So coming out of last week, the, the disciples gathered together and, and they had to replace a disciple. And so they cast lots and, and Matthias was chosen and they, he was added to the 11. And so now we have the apostles gathering together uh, in this one place at this moment. And Luke tells us in Acts chapter two, verse one, he writes this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them, speaking of the apostles, speak in his own language, not the apostles' language, but the devout devout men's language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Amorites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phryra, and Phampelia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Do not quote me on how I pronounced all those names. 
both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling our own tongues, in our own tongues, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. They are just basically drunk and out of their minds. Let's talk about a few things. I wanna dive into more. Uh, let's talk about Pentecost because we, we jump right in on when the day of Pentecost arrived. What is Pentecost? So Pentecost is one of the festivals, also known as the festival of, of weeks or the feast of weeks. So following, starting at Passover, you have Passover and then you have Pentecost and then you have the, the Feast of the Tabernacles. Other words um, that you might call it, the Pentecost is known as Feast of Weeks. Each of these festivals or these feasts were based on harvest, so barley, wheat, and olives. And so the men of the Hebrew men were to come to Jerusalem to celebrate, to offer sacrifice, and to bring first their first fruits of these harvests, the barley, the wheat, and the olive, and to worship. And so the, the festival or the Feast of Weeks uh, was called Pentecost. Pentecost actually means 50. And so it's 50 days from the day of Passover. So 50 days later, and I love this, 50 days from Passover for us in our modern day would have been two Sundays ago, March 23rd. 50 days from Passover, they're coming back around and then they will come again and celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacle and they bring the first fruits of that harvest. This whole, these whole feasts, these, these festivals, these, these celebrations, these sacrifices, these offerings are all about the harvest. Now here's why I think this is really important, not only to understand the history around it, the purpose behind these events, why people were gathering in Jerusalem in these moments, but I think God is a creative God. I think he knows things that we don't know and I think he loves to show off sometimes and say, look what I'm about to do. He's taking a feast that is all about the harvest, the first fruits of the harvest. And he's using Luke to write the story of the launch of the church, the beginning of the church age, which is harvest. And what we're going to get into next week, spoiler alert, a lot of people come to know Jesus. And that's all I'm going to leave it at because I get to preach on that next week. There is a harvest that is about to come in the midst of these feasts that are all about harvest. Isn't God cool? That he's pulling out these points and giving us this understanding out of his word and he's lining up all the things that he's given his people from the very beginning, from the Old Testament all the way up to this moment and said, the harvest that you know might be barley, wheat, and olive, but the harvest that you will now experience is of men. Jesus even told his disciples, I follow me and I will make you fishermen of what? Of men. I will make you fisher of men. They're beginning to see the fruit. They're about to get moved into this church age that is gonna blow their minds. And it all starts with this really incredible event. So Pentecost is this, this feast of harvest that we see. And you can go back to Leviticus 23 and see where, where the Lord uh, set that aside to be a part of that for hundreds and, and years earlier. He said, this is gonna be something we will celebrate. And we get to see the fruit of it now. And the other thing I wanna address quick here, not really quick, it's hard to address so quick, is the idea of tongues. So the, this is a passage of scripture that gets talked about a lot in the church world and the, the theological world. And, and I just wanna point out how Luke addresses that because we see the word tongues used throughout the New Testament. We see it in Paul's writings as well. It's the same word. The Greek word is glossa. And it really just means a different dialect or a different language. It's the simplest way to say it. 
And it's the same word all the way throughout. But there's context. Your pastor Keith say this all the time. Context is king. There's context to how it's being used. And Luke is really, really clear in how tongues are being used, how it's being referenced as a gift of the spirit right here. So clear that he literally lists it out. So there's a tongue, a different language. Say, uh, similar to Spanish, French, German, you name it, whatever your kids are learning in school. And then there's a spiritual language, a spiritual tongue that Paul will talk about in Corinthians, that we see those passages out. But Luke is pretty specific about this tongue. So they were given this gift of tongues and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance through this tongue. Now, we understand right here in Luke that he outlines it, that these tongues were different languages. If you look down into verse eight, and how is it that we hear each of us speaking of all the devout Jews that were there in our own native language? And he lists the different languages. So here, Luke isn't talking about a spiritual tongue, although it's given by a spiritual being, the person of God through the Holy Spirit. He's talking about, he's given them a different language so that they can do something powerful with every person in their audience. God has provided for them the gift that they need to preach the gospel, to share the mighty works of God to every person in front of them. How awesome is that? Jesus and the Spirit and the Father know exactly what they needed for that moment. And he empowered them with this gift of the Holy Spirit to make much of his name. And then farther down again, spoiler in the next week, we see that come out through a message that Peter is about to give that unfolds the gospel. I'm giving too much. I'm preaching about next week. I shouldn't do that. But it's a beautiful thing. And so when you look at the idea of tongues, let's, just, let's focus on how Luke uh, brings that out. He's given, the Spirit has given a gift to the apostles, a gift to be used on purpose for mission to make much of the mighty works of God. It was a very intentional gift. It was a gift that was meant to be activated in that moment so that every man, every woman, every child that was in that space could hear the mighty works of God and could see the power of God doing something very different than anything they've ever seen before through the apostles. <clears throat> and that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful truth that we hold on to. And that's the gift I was talking about at the front end. These, the Jews and the apostles, they gathered in one place for a purpose of the feast, to offer their sacrifices, their offerings, their first fruits. And that's a beautiful thing to gather as the church. It even talks about in some uh, translations in verse one, they arrived and all the apostles were together in one place. They were together in one accord, other translations say. They were unified together. The gathering is important. The church gathering is so important, but there's more that comes out of that. This gift that the Spirit's gonna give us to make much of the mighty works of God. And it's not just for Pastor Keith, for myself, or whoever may be teaching Giving the word of God is for each and every one of us. The spirit of God wants to work through you to speak the power and the nature and the glory and the goodness of God to this world around us. 
He wants to use you, no matter how you may see yourself or feel like, I don't have the gift of communicating. Jason, I can't get up there and do what you're doing. I would definitely not be able to pronounce those words, or I can't pray like you pray, or I can't read like you read. I can't put an order in for this. It's just not the same, like I can't do that. It's not about doing what Pastor Keith or what I do or anyone you see else does. It's about what the Spirit wants to do through you, what he's gonna give you, you in that moment to use you in that moment to reach others for the glory of God. That's the gift. That's the gift. And this tongue was just that. He was, they were given this gift of the tongue so they could speak the right languages to the people that were right there with them. So let's look at this whole passage again because I love how Luke writes this. He's like an early movie writer in many ways because he gives us really what I'm gonna call two sight lines into the events of what's happening in these first 13 verses of, of, of Acts chapter two. The first sight line is that of the apostles. They're gathered in this place. Now, whether they were in the upper room or they were in a room in the temple um, offering their sacrifice, we don't know. It's not clear in here, but either way, they were gathered and they were gathered in a space that was large enough for all the devout Jews once they heard the wind, um, this event happened that they were able to gather with them. So those are the things we can understand about the space they're in. But he gives us a sight line of the apostles first that they were gathered all together in one place. They were in one accord. They were unified over what just happened as they brought Matthias onto the team. And in that moment, a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Have you guys ever heard the sounds of a tornado or derecho, is that how you pronounce it, that came through? I remember I was in Atlanta, Georgia one time when I lived down there, and we had a, a straight line wind tornado come across about 25, 30 feet off the ground, came right over. It sounded like a freight train. It shook our house. It was one of the creepiest, but also one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It's like, what do you do? It's like, what well, do I run or do I stay? Like, I don't know. But you just listen to this thing. And I went out the next day and literally the pine trees across Atlanta in the area that we lived in were chopped off at about 30 feet, just severed across uh, the, the, the tree groves and such. It was amazing to watch. But that sound, it was so loud. It was so powerful. And in this moment, we see this sight line for these disciples that they hear the sound and then all of a sudden, imagine this sitting in this space, the 12 of them. And these, these, uh, these tongues of fire appeared and rested on each of them. Maybe you can't see what's resting on you, but you look out to your friends and you're like, what is that? It looks, it has that shape of a tongue of fire, the gift of the Holy Spirit to be just, I would, I mean, talk about at the end, they were amazed and perplexed. The Jews, imagine how the apostles felt in that moment, sitting in that space going, I don't know what's happening. And then in that next moment, they were able to speak languages they've never spoken before. Anyone ever had that? All of a sudden you're just like hanging out and all of a sudden you can start speaking French. Anyone? How crazy that moment must have been for them. And I wonder if the apostles remembered what Jesus said. All the works you've seen me do, I will do greater works through you. I will do greater works through you. I wonder if they, they remembered and heard the teachings of Jesus over the years that they walked and followed him. I wonder if they remember when he said, you will be given a gift. You, I will leave behind the Holy Spirit for you. I wonder if they remembered that moment. Even if they remember the prophecy of, of Joel going back, there'll be this time where the spirit will come down and pour himself out and a great and mighty work will come as a result. 
I wonder if they remembered these things. Or were they so blown away by what was going on, shaken by the sound of the wind? And Luke draws this picture of what we're, where we're learning and seeing in this first sight line. But then he gives us this other sight line outside of the space that the apostles were in, where they were dwelling the Jerusalem, the Jews, the devout men from every nation under heaven. These guys were from all over the land. And they heard this sound too. They heard the freight train of the Holy Spirit moving into this place. And they're like, what is that? And it's, it's kind of like what we do here in America when something happens or there's a car accident or a fire. We don't, we just seem to run to it because we want to see what's going on, right? Have you ever done that? There's smoke pouring up in the air like, I wonder what that is. And so we jump in our car and we drive at it. I don't know what like makes us want to do that, but we, we are drawn to something that is, we don't understand, that is bigger and louder and, and things that pull us in. And so these devout men, they, they ran to the sound. They wanted to know what was going on. Maybe they thought there was an accident. Maybe they thought something was falling apart. Maybe they thought someone was hurt, but they ran to the sound and they brought, came into, and we begin to see Luke taking both of these sight lines and drawing them together because they heard the apostles speaking in each their own language the mighty works of God. So we have this sight line of the apostles gathered, unified, ready, and the spirit falls on them and gives them a gift for that moment. And then we see the sight line of the, the Jews that are all through Jerusalem offering their, their sacrifices and their first fruits, their harvest back to God. They hear the sound and they come together. What is happening? Church, ah, oh, man, I, I, I cry out for that kind of movement in the local church today. Because I believe that the Spirit wants to do that. I believe the Spirit wants to show up in the midst of us and transform us in a powerful way and lead us to understand what it is to follow Jesus. And then as we follow Jesus, we commit our lives to him to lead us to live that out and to share the gospel for his glory, to expand the kingdom. I cry out for the moment when we come to worship and we, we fall on our knees because of the presence of the Holy Spirit and we walk away and we don't, hey, good message, sir, pastor. That was a great sermon. But we walk away and say, Spirit, that just showed up and you wrecked me in the best possible way and I am not walking away the same. I'm ready to go out across the parking lot and into the theater and to the Starbucks or wherever you will go next and tell people of the mighty works of God because of the way the Spirit showed up. I pray and I cry out for the day that, that the people in this community, in this city, see something different about Westwind Church and they come running to it. Not because it's about where we gather or what we gather about, but it's about Jesus right in the middle, that spirit showing up and they're so curious and they come running and they wanna know the power of the work of God. And I wanna be a part of that process too. I wanna go home to my neighborhood and I wanna invite my neighbors, hey, come be a part of this. Come sit with me here at church. We gather outside, it's awesome, it's beautiful. It is so here for us. And we, I wanna invite you and just to come and sit with me and worship with me and enjoy the community of this thing called church. Come with me. I wanna be a part of that movement because of what the spirit has given me, that he dwells in me and he's given me these gifts to use for his glory. And as, as Luke paints this picture for us, we see this unfolding in, in a powerful way. Now there's something about these Jews that I think are, is so significant that again, we're gonna see come out next, next week in, in the latter part of chapter two. 
They were, Luke counts for them that they were devout Jews. They were committed to their religious works. They were committed to travel to Jerusalem three different times over these months to come and bring their first fruits. No matter where they lived from, they went, they went home. They came back, they went home. They continued to come to the temple to offer these sacrifices. They were devout in that place, but they were missing something. They still needed to hear and understand the power and the work of Jesus Christ through the cross. They lived in that box of their religion. They loved it and they were faithful to it. And it's, it's good. It's, there's not all bad things, but if that's all that it was, they needed more. They needed to understand the gospel to a whole new level. And the apostles began to speak that, the mighty works of God, the good news. But they were devout. They were committed to being there. They were committed to showing up. They were committed to making, let's just call it in our modern terms, Sunday important for their week. But yet they still missed the gospel. They still missed the work and the person of Jesus Christ. They didn't understand the promise of the Holy Spirit. And church, I don't believe that our modern day church, our mainstream church, let's call it that, is much different. I think we have a lot of people in America that makes church Sunday a priority, but they don't understand the work of the cross in their lives or for their lives. And they're missing the work of the Holy Spirit in them and through them. And in that, what are we missing? What are we missing as a, as a church? What are we missing as we hear and we dig into the truths of God's word? If we're not allowing the spirit to do this amazing and mighty work in and through us. What are we missing if we just say we love church, but we're just okay with Jesus? Or what are we missing when we come, but we never listen and hear the gospel that is for you, that no matter what you have done, that he has forgiven you. He wants to transform you. He wants to be in relationship with you because he loves you. He created you. You were created in his image, but even more so, he wants to do mighty and great things through you. He loves you so much. He wants you to be on his team. He wants to work through you to change the world. And man, is that powerful to be wanted that much that someone would die for you. To be desired so much to be used that he would defeat death for you. To be wanted so much and to be used for his glory that he would give you the gift, he would entrust in you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a language, maybe a whatever it may be to use for his glory to tell the gospel to others. He loves you that much. That is so powerful. The apostles began to see this. The devout Jews began to, to wonder and to run as the spirit began to move in what was launching the church age. The first time the church gathered seems to be right in this chapter. We see it come out so beautifully in this way. And so church, I wonder, do we get caught up in the box only? And man, do we get creative with that box? We get creative and, and that creativity is not a bad thing. 
Man, it's something to even celebrate that we can see the church and say, we're gonna do whatever we can with this church so that people will be drawn to hear the gospel, to hear the truth. But if we miss the gift and all we do is shape the box, I believe we might miss the opportunity, not might, we will miss the opportunity to be at God's continuing and powerful work through you. God can do so much through each and every one of you. Just like Paul writes in Ephesians, more than you can ask or even imagine. Just like Jesus told his disciples, I'm gonna do greater works through you than you've ever seen me do. And so when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see all the crazy things, amazing things that Jesus did. Here's his words for us, that he wants to do greater things than what we read about his story, about his ministry through you. He wants to use you to encourage, to empower, to to invite others to know the gospel so their marriages are healed. He wants to use you to comfort in the times of loss. He wants to use you to serve one another when they may have a financial loss or a financial struggle that you can speak in and actually feed in to care for them in any which way that you can financially gift them or maybe you can gift them with the greatest gift of food. It's so good. But he wants to do these things through you. And as a church, we get to see this. But we have to not just see the box, we have to look at the gift and see how beautiful the gift is because the creator of all things, the lover of our soul, the savior of our lives, the giver of our eternity has given us a gift. And if it's coming from that guy, that gift's gonna be really, really, really good. And that is the understatement of the decade right there. And we have to step into that. We have to gather in one accord and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit and the work he's gonna do through us as a church. We have to gather in one accord to see what God's gonna do. We have to use the gifts that he's given us to step out of ourselves in this lawn and in our homes and go out and invite people in to hear the gospel, to share the gospel with them and to say, come serve with me as we go to Meals from the Heartland. Come walk with me as I walk my neighborhood to pray. Come sit with me as we gather in a community. Come join our life group as we have a barbecue together just to hang out and see what community is all about. We get to be a part of all of those things. And it all started right here. And it all started because of the work of Jesus on the cross and his defeat of death in his resurrection. It all started because of his promise of the Holy Spirit to come and dwell amongst believers, those that follow him. His promise to do greater things than we've seen him do for his glory, for his kingdom, to see it expand across the globe in the right moment when we choose to follow Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't get it. It is hard to swallow, it's hard to grasp, it's hard to understand, but I know I have this thing that I'm missing in me and I want it and I want you. And then we offer our, our, our confession to him as we see Paul write in Romans, our confession with our mouth and we believe in our heart, we receive the Holy Spirit and he gives us as he gives his will, the gift that we need to make much of his name in this world. And we get to celebrate that together every time we come to worship. That we grow and we become transformed, sanctified and be more like Christ. And then we are sent to our world to tell other people about that truth and that love. We get to celebrate communion. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up this morning because communion 
is it. It is what we celebrate that makes this happen. Without Jesus' work on the cross, without his defeating death through his resurrection, without his promise that he gave to his disciples that you will receive the Holy Spirit, this moment doesn't matter. Without the celebration of that work for us, our understanding what he wants to do through us doesn't really matter. It carries no weight. We need to hold on and celebrate. And it sounds across weird, thank you, to celebrate his death. Like we're celebrating death, but we more, we celebrate his death because it leads to his life, which gives us life through salvation, through believing in him. And so if you're at home, I wanna encourage you uh, just to gather the elements that we encourage you at the beginning of the service. Just take a quick moment to, to gather those and, and know if you're here, you've received an all-in-one cup. As I take the time to unfold that, I know they can be a little tricky just getting that top cellophane piece off. But to open that up and on the very top of that, you have the bread. And the bread represents, it symbolizes the broken body of Christ for you, for your forgiveness of sins. And just below that purple cellophane or the juice you may have at home, it represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. This act of the cross leads us to the resurrection, his defeat of death, because he loves us that much. While we were still sinners, he died for us. We didn't have to get it all right. We didn't have to get all the, the dots, uh, the I's dotted and the T's crossed and the, the boxes checked to make sure that we now can receive Jesus. He said, no, while you're still sinners, I died for you. I gave up my body, I shed my blood for you. And so we come to celebrate that. And as we celebrate, this is what I want to encourage us to do through communion this morning. Ask God to show up in a way that you can see and understand who he is, the presence of his spirit in you. And maybe for some of you, you may not know Jesus yet. That the work of communion represents the work that he gave in for you. And he's calling you to him. I want to give you eternal life. I wanna work in you and, and, and restore you and reconcile you in ways that you can't even begin to imagine yet. And just like Paul again writes in Romans 10, confess with your mouth, Lord, I need you. I have sin, I've, I've, I live in brokenness. But I believe in my heart that you can restore that brokenness, that you can bring me back to a right relationship with you and I choose you. And then we celebrate this work together. So Jesus broke the bread with his disciples at Passover and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this and do it in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread and the body of Christ together. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me, remembering what he's done. Let's do this together as a church. And now as we gather, we worship. Let's just take a moment. Brett's gonna lead us just through a song and let's just use this time as a reflection. Lord, I trust what you're doing in my life. I trust my, my life over to you, my brokenness to you. I receive the forgiveness of sins, but Lord, I want to see you do more. I wanna understand the gift that you've given me, not just through your resurrection, but the spirit that you wanna work through me. 
ask for that. Paul writes, crave the gifts. Seek them out so that you can be used for his good, for his kingdom. Because God wants to do something awesome through each and every one of you. So as we commit to this, as we commit to run after Jesus, let's celebrate what we get to see God do through each and every one of us, through us as a church when we're unified, when we're gathered, and when we worship. Let's worship together.